Mark, your new book, A Screenwriter's Journey to Success? Yes. I understand from what you told me off camera, it took you five years to actually write it? It did. It did. Um, I didn't sit down to write a book initially. I was blogging and I wanted to get my past 20 years of professional experience somehow out of my, you know, mind and, and heart and try to be able to share it with people. And so after five or six years of blogging, I realized that I had enough information to, you know, create something. And so I started the process of uh, stripping down the articles and refabricating them into, you know, into chapters. And, and then I thought, well, I'm going to chart my journey from how I started uh, in the business as a filmmaker at 11 years old. You know, what, what was that spark, that creative spark, and chart it all the way until today. And not so much as a memoir, but also using examples and funny anecdotal stories, but, you know, disciplines that I've used that have helped me, you know, stay in the game that hopefully other, other writers will be able to see and go, oh yeah, I'm not doing that or I need to do that, you know. Well, you referenced um, a, a friend's grandfather gave him a, a camera when you were both around 11 and that yes. sparked your love for making movies together. Have you ever thought about what if that hadn't happened? Oh yeah. I, um, I'm not, I'm sure it would have been some, I should have, I would have gone into some creative endeavor. I wanted to be a cartoonist originally because I love to draw and I still do. And in the book, there's, um, uh, when I was writing the book, I drink a lot of coffee. And so it would leave a coffee ring, you know, on the notes. And so I would do little doodles and I've turned those into coffee ring mugs and t-shirts and things like that. But they're also in the book after every chapter. And so I wanted to be a cartoonist or an animator or something creative. And, but yeah, filmmaking, I don't know if he, maybe my parents, my parents eventually bought me my own camera, but um, I don't know. You know, it's, it's interesting, I think about it, that there's these times in your life that, you know, it, you, you only <clears throat> can look back on now, but um, I don't know, it'd be interesting. What, I, I would do something creative, absolutely. I was not gonna be a doctor, or, you know, not that that, you know, I was not gonna have a day job. Right. I was going to do something creative, so I knew that because my parents were always very supportive of my brother and myself in the creative arts, and my brother is a graphic designer, and um, you know he's always had the ability and talent for art, and so my parents, uh, my dad wanted to be a singer, and he um, came out to Los Angeles from Michigan uh, in the early '60s, and he would sing in the piano bars, and he recorded, you know, little. 45 records, you know, and he wanted to be a singer and that was his creative thing But I always saw him doing poetry and and drawing and you know things like that and my mom was um, artistically inclined with jewelry making and so I came from creative parents, but They came from an era uh, where their parents didn't support them uh, You were going to get a job in business or you were going to go in a factory. It was just very clear-cut and so I think they wanted to break that mold and really supported my, my brother and I for that. And that's so vitally important. And I, um, in the book, um, dedicate the book to my parents because without them, um, there would be no support system. You know, I mean, that's vital, I think. That's, that's beautiful. Was there a blog post or a chapter in the book that was actually difficult for you to write? Because I know it's a culmination of these blogs that you did over the five-year period. Right. Um, but was there one that you actually thought, oh, this is fine, and then you realize, you know, this is, this is actually affecting me? Ah, oh, interesting. 
Yeah, I think going back to um, the period, the, the slow periods in, in one's career, or having having achieved something and not have the results that you think, you know, like, well, look, I I sold a movie, I should be this, and the reality is, well, no, that's not always the case. Um, after I sold my first spec, it was my fifth spec, but it was my first spec that I sold. Um, I was uh, at the time doing catering because I'd worked in restaurants before I went to film school and after, you know, because I always didn't want to get into a day job where I would not have any time to write. And so a restaurant was good money and it would free you up to be able to write as long as you would write because that's important. I, I, I was in a restaurant with a lot of people wanted to be actors and they, they love playing the role of an actor but not actually doing the work. So if you're, you're given the free time to do it, you better do it. And I always did it, you know, so, um, but it was the time when uh, I sold my spec and I was in the trade papers, in variety, and every writer wants to be in variety, right? Then you say, oh, I made it, right? Well, the day that I was in variety, the headline was this new company had formed and they, they optioned my script and they were going to buy it and make it into their first movie. And that day in variety, I had to do a catering job at one of the biggest producers uh, in Hollywood's house. And so it was this catering company and my friend and I drove up to Beverly Hills and here we are at this giant mansion of this producer. And uh, it was a big breakfast meeting with um, big power, you know, power players, uh, former prime minister of a Middle Eastern country, you know, security everywhere. And I was thinking, wow, you know, I'm in variety today. Why should I be catering, you know? And also I was thinking in a way, which is in the book, um, what if this producer had, had you know, rejected my screenplay? And here I am in his house serving him coffee, you know, so just be careful about who you, um, you know, disrespect, uh, you know, on the way up or down because, you know, the, you just might end up in, your, in their house pouring coffee for them, you know. Um, but that was hard to write, but it, I look back on that now and laugh, you know, but um, it's, it's the reality of the business because, as you know, you know, uh, it's, it's a step deal. So whenever anything sells, you know, it, it, it's in steps and you may not get the final steps. So when a screenplay sells, you get a little bit of money and then a little bit of money for the next draft and, next, and that has to be made for you to get the bonus. So everyone thinks that just because a script sells, suddenly you're, you know, everybody's calling on the phone and things like that. So I would say that was not difficult to revisit, but, you know, I think about the time I put myself back into the time. That's what I always try to do when I was writing because I'm a very visual person and I can really have the sense of memory. And back at the time, it wasn't uh, funny. <laughs> you know, it was very, uh, it was like, oh my gosh, so now I've, I've done this and still I have to do this? And you're like, yeah, many times you have to live in these two, these two parallel worlds and that can mess with your head a lot. So you have to be really grounded and say, this is the reality of it. And it doesn't... Um, it doesn't, uh, it's not the image of who I am. I am a writer if I'm catering or always doing anything else at the time, you know, so. You know, I think that's such an important story because I think people can be caught in two worlds here for years. Absolutely. And eventually some will definitely turn the corner and, and the, the party will be at their house, yes. so to speak, to yes. use that metaphor. And unfortunately for some, it won't. 
So advice to people on being caught in two worlds, because the reality of being here is that that may be the case for a decade for some people, maybe even more. And at some point they will cross over and they'll be hosting parties. And for some, it may not happen, but on keeping your mind right and, yeah. and keeping your work ethic right. Well, that's, uh, that's difficult. I mean, it's like, it's like training. Um, I used to run, you know, as a, as a runner and that, that discipline of that constant was really important, you know, and I would run no matter if I was tired and it's that same work ethic that you need as writing because I see so many writers who say, ah, and it's difficult. I understand. I tell some, uh, some writers that, oh, I, I just did a 10 hour day and they're like 10 hours. I go, well, I have to, because I have an assignment and it's due and, and I have the luxury. That's my job. Thank God. You know, um, now, when I had a day job only once in my life for two years, um, I worked at a law firm. I had to come home from a full day work. I was an assistant. And then at six o'clock, make dinner and then write until midnight and then go to bed, 7 a.m., go to that job. It was having two jobs at once. And then on the weekends, people would say, oh, come on, do this and that. And I said, well, I have to write. Write? What are you talking about? I said, well, and it was, it was terribly exhausting. And I can see how it can chip away you know, at, at, at you, especially if you have a family and a lot of different concerns pulling at you. Um, that's why you have to really close the door and say, this is my time. Um, and it had, it cannot be interrupted and that's, it is hard to do, but you really have to stay disciplined. And, and also I think you have to have the fire and burning passion to really want it more than anything else. Because, you know, I never, I never put an expiration date on my dreams. And I remember people say, well, um, it was at dinner one time, a friend of my brother's, and he said, well, what if you don't make it by 30? And, and I was like, 30? And I said, well, I don't know, what's 30? And then to, to him, he was projecting his fear upon me. And I go, I, this is open-ended, you know, I'm sorry, but you know, and that's good and bad because you don't want to fool yourself. Like you're saying, we're 10 years and you have nothing. I mean, I think at a certain point, if you've really, exhausted all of your abilities and nothing's happened, you might consider something and maybe writing's not for you. Maybe this pursuit of a career is not for you and it's a choice. No one's forcing you um, to write screenplays. It's a dream. You know, it was my dream since I was 11 years old. So am I going to achieve it? Am I going to achieve it at a level that I want? Because I like when I worked in the restaurant while I was going to film school, I, I knew people are actors. They said, well, it's not worth it for me if I'm not like Brad Pitt. And I said, oh, really? So you think you're just going to fall into it and be A-list? Now, um, most working actors or, or the, uh, you know, the, the co-star character actors work all their lives. The leading person, leading man, leading woman, have to carry the film. And how many, you know, I mean, so I just, you look at it and it's like, and plus, as you, as you get older, you, you, you look at it differently and you say, well, I'm, I'm blessed to get up in the morning and do what I love for a living and get paid for it and, and see it, you know, see it end up somewhere and people respond to it negatively or positively. That's it. I, you know, yes, continue to strive for more and other projects and different things, but um, it's hard. And, but the important thing too is to have people around you that support your endeavor because I've lost friendships and I've lost relationships with people who said, well, and they drew a line in the sand and they said, and I was like, that's not a good thing to do. 
and what about the last X number of years I've been doing this? You're just going to throw, have me throw that away? You know, the, the, the lack of understanding about how much um, filmmaking and writing was such a part of my being almost that other creative endeavors like drawing and things like that, but, but this is like who I am. And to have someone with you not understand that, it's really, you know, and that's the hardest part that so many elements, just like in making a film, so many elements have to go together and all click same way with forging a career and and as you've interviewed many different people everybody will tell you a different story about how they quote unquote made it and i was doing a seminar uh recently and someone asked the question about making it and i said well i think i don't know if you ever make it i said i think getting your next job is making it and continuing to stay in the game is making it you know there's nothing guaranteed if you're on a tv show the show's going to end then you have to get up and we're like gypsies, find another job. Uh, I have a movie shooting right now in Los Angeles. When that ends, I mean, luckily I have a few things already going set up, you know, job-wise. You have to find your next job. You know, it's just, it's just the case. But after, it's, it, it's difficult. But, you know, no one said it was going to be easy. <laughs> Before we wrap up on this topic, I just want to ask, going back to that day that you're working this shift at wherever it was, the top of Mulholland or wherever it was. Beverly Hills. Beverly yeah. Hills, okay. Yeah. And you're, you're, let's suppose, so you've, you've broken down the event, you're driving down this mountain or wherever, maybe not a mountain. What's going through your mind? Your name's in variety. Oh, I, I stopped at the newsstand before the job and picked up a pile of varieties, you know, because you have to. And reread it, and you know, I wasn't on the cover. The company was on the cover, but I was on like page 13 with a paragraph of how they discovered me. Right. And so it's so, you know, it's so nice to be discovered and I'm here, <laughs> you know, pouring coffee for, you know, these people. Um, it was, it was free because there was a fear that like that was, like somehow it was a big fraud and, and it was never going to happen even though it was, it was terrible. I mean, it was, it was hard to, to really lock in and then you get home and it's like very depressing. You're like, there's no crowd cheering. There's no like, wow. But then being pragmatic saying, well, I have to pay bills. And there's no um, embarrassment about doing a job that you have to do because that job allowed me to continue to stay in the game. Now, yes, the, the movie was option, but as movie options goes, they're not for a lot of money sometimes. And so, and then it, the movie developed 18 months. It was in development oh. with me. So you're talking about and that script was seven years after I wrote it. So it took seven years from when I finished it to when it finally found the company and was made. Not all scripts happen that way, you know, but I'm talking about a spec. And so this long process um, with a lot of fear that, that can be involved. But um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, but I always look back on these stories, not at the time maybe, and say, this will be a, a good story for the book someday. <laughs> Or, or to tell someone, you know, how these things happen. You know, there's a reason why I think we go through everything is to either learn something, and if we do, maybe pay it forward and saying, hey, you know, and that's kind of like my reasoning for the book is to try to pay it forward and saying, you know, I went through all these crazy knocks and these pitfalls, and you will too, maybe more, maybe less, but um, maybe if you zig and zag and it'll help you a little easier. You know, but it's all difficult for all of us because we also have to sit in front of the blank page. You know, that's where we're equals as screenwriters, you know.
But we had a comment that came in that said, well, that's easy for this person to say because this person's a professional screenwriter and it's their job to write all day. It makes sense to say it's your job, kind of like get over it, just do it. But most people that watch the Film Courage channel, which mm -hmm. it's very nice that they thought that, <laughs> um, are not professional screenwriters. They actually have um, jobs. Sure. Uh, other jobs have to pay the bills. Screenwriting is a hobby for them at best while they sort of make the two worlds work. Sure. And that I get. Um, so no, you don't have to write every day to be a writer. I don't write every day. Uh, I do when I'm on assignment and then when I'm not, I'm kind of exhausted and um, the last year has been crazy. I mean, with like six movies, so it's like almost every three months a turnaround. So I'm, con I would, but it's fantastic because I was constantly writing, but it's, it's, it's draining. And it's almost like, I want to go do something else and stop. And they say, well, when you stop the assignment, you want to go work on your spec. It's like, not right now because I don't have the time, you know, and, and um, but you have to manage your time. You know, you really do, and there's no excuse. I've had to do it. When I was in um, college, in film school, I was working four to five nights a week in a restaurant, but I had friends who went to film school or any college, and they could just go to school. They had the luxury of living at home. Their parents paid for everything. I had to pay my bills, you know, but I think that that trained me into really... Uh, sectioning my time not just you know because yeah you can go to parties and all this stuff and I was not only making movies in film school but I was also after day class I had to go down I was working in Westwood here and work a five-hour shift and then come home so it really trained me for that and there's a million excuses why we don't want to write I mean truthfully it's, and when it's difficult even more oh well you know the like I said, I never have, uh, the house is never as clean as when I'm, you know, procrastination. Um, but, you know, again, the, the movie I just turned in last week on assignment was my 35th screenplay. I'm still learning. I still respect the craft and bow down to it because I learn something every time out. Every project's different. Every producer, company you work with, it's a whole different scenario each time. Yes, you know you know, how it works a lot better. I look at old scripts now and like my fourth spec, my fifth one sold. The fourth one made some noise. We met with the A-list you know, actor about it. This is a million years ago. Um, but I look back at that script and I was like, ah, if we'd only, if I could only go back and rewrite that with what I know now, but you only have the knowledge that you have at this exact moment in time and you can't live with regret, so study, get better, write more screenplays. Um, but yes, writers write, but I don't think you should feel guilty if you're not, you know, writing every day, but don't let it go two days because two leads to four, four leads to week. This weekend we got something going on. You have to schedule it. And I always say to uh, aspiring screenwriters, treat it like your job because it will be. You don't have the luxury of when you write your specs to go, uh, I'm gonna go off today. Work on it for five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is. But that constant is what's going to happen when you get the assignment jobs. And, you know, you don't want to be shocked when suddenly you get this opportunity, you're hired to write a movie and you can't physically sit there for eight hours a day, or you can't write it in 30 days, or you can't write it in eight weeks or however much time you've agreed to write the screenplay. You will be shocked because you're not training. It's the same thing as an athlete uh, or a, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go run a marathon without training for it. Same thing, in my opinion, in my experience. And so 
if you're going to spend the time writing your specs, train yourself now for, for the, the hopefully, hopefully the time that you're going to be hired to write screenplays and then you'll be much better. But again, yes, you know, coming from a, a thing that that's all I do for a living, but that's where you want to be. And, and like I say, I better, uh, I better damn well be doing it, you know, 10 hours a day if that's all I do. And it seems like maybe some jobs are more draining than others. And I know it's easy for me to just say, oh, well, just find a job that's not draining. And I know that's easier sure. said than done. But I think there's certain jobs where you can then have sort of a side other job or slash hobby. Mm -hmm. And then there's other jobs where it just takes you out of it. It's so demanding. And the thing about that is it's going to take you that much longer. If you can only write on the weekends, how long do you think a screenplay is going to take? It's going to take six months. You know, I mean that's where the time creeps in and there's so many other uh, distractions and, and, and interruptions that come in that six months that are dangerous that will derail you so quickly and then go, mm. you know, that's where, that's where you have to, the, I, I would dig deep and say, this is what I want to do and there's nothing. I mean, that's where the passion and the tenacity come from that really drives you through all those other, you know, through the minefield you're going to step on that, you know, that sets you back three months. You know, it's really, um, it's difficult. And yes, you're right, other job. When I had worked at the law firm for two years, <laughs> it was draining. And I would come home and then have to write again. But I had, I had a and it was even worse because I had a movie go into production while I was at the job. And again, it wasn't enough money to quit. And so I said, I had to excuse myself and say, I'm going to go to the set for a few days this week because I was a, a, an as-needed assistant type position. And that was, again, even years later, a freaky thing going, but why do I have to work at the thing? I got a movie. And then you look at the, yeah, okay, I get it. And then I stayed on it for another year at the firm and do the same thing, come home, make dinner, write, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I got a call from a production company I'd worked with, and they have a new president of production. And they said, hey, how come we haven't worked with you since the last movie? I said, I don't know. They said, we have this fast track movie. Um, we want you to write. It's a, it's a done deal. And I gave my two week notice. Wow. I was like, this is my kick in my pants that I'm back in without fear. Not like, oh, well, and the money was, was good at the firm, you know, but I was seeing myself be derailed and I had a, um, a relationship at the time, my girlfriend, and I saw just everything was being derailed and I thought, well, I could just get into this and, um, you know, another year go by and blah, blah, blah. So when that call came in from the company, I was like, I got to go. And they were shocked. They were like, well, oh, well, I guess this is what you do. I said, yeah, this is what I do. I'm a writer. <laughs> I have to go do writing and it's a job. So and I said, you're always welcome to come back. I said, exactly. But like when I finally quit the restaurant business, uh, when I got my first job, it took six years out of film school before I landed my first professional writing job. And I thought when they handed out the diplomas, they were going to give me a two-picture deal. You know, oh, thank you very much. Oh, look at this. Six years. And that's not for lack of writing and specs and all that stuff. I finally landed a job. So I gave the notice at the restaurant and they were like, huh. They didn't quite understand. And they were like, so, and how long is this job for? I go, no, I'm out, O-U-T, not coming back. I said, I appreciate, there's never again will I step foot, and I didn't. I mean, I did catering, but that was sort of like, 
less of a, you know, you're, you're different places. But I was never going to work. I worked 10 years in a restaurant. I did many odd jobs in my life. I, I say in the book, uh, many different jobs that you have to, but it was all about facilitating me being able to stick with my dream. Whatever, whatever the job was, it laws, as long as it allowed me to continue, I didn't care, you know, it wasn't embarrassing or, you know, it was just like, you have to do what you have to do. It reminds me of the movie I just watched, It's a Wonderful Life. So Jimmy Stewart just gets, he just thinks I'm gonna, you know, go off and, and see the world and then go be an architect and then <laughs> get sucked back in for two years or four years at the bank and, yep. you know, and it just, it keeps life changed for him. It's hard. You know? It really is hard, yeah. But I, as I say, it's hard. I'm living proof that it, it does happen and there's no guarantees. But I always say the only guarantee in screenwriting is that if you stop writing, you're definitely guaranteed never to have any chance at success. So as long as you're in the game, you have a shot. From what I saw in your book on Amazon when I was going through, you said that you didn't have relatives in the industry. You had very supportive parents. Yes. Um, and you had to break in what you call the old-fashioned way, which was hard work, discipline, and faith. And I was wondering if we could talk about the faith part. What is that exactly? Faith is a, is a if you don't believe in yourself, why, why do you expect other people to believe in you? And it's your dream. Um, someone else will live their dream and why shouldn't you live your dream? That was always my opinion. And it's scary because you don't know if you're going to, or they will allow you to do it. Um, so you have to write something that you care about, but also that somebody else sees, you know, that care in there and, and wants to make it. Then, then the business part becomes, they want to invest millions of dollars in your idea as opposed to somebody else's idea. And it's finding that company. It's the timing. Finding my spec sold because uh, my first and only spec, which was my fifth spec, but um, that opened the door for assignment work. So I haven't sold a spec since then because I've been blessed with assignment work, which is fine. I've written other specs, yes, but it's exhausting to try to continue to you know this one and maybe this one. It's much. You know, it's it's a much better experience when the producer comes to me and says, "Are you available? We have this concept that's green lit. We need a writer." You're like, "Thank you very much. You know, I I would love the job. I'm available." And I've turned down stuff as well. But the faith aspect, you always have to have faith, not blind faith. But there are times when you're staring into that dark abyss, and you go, "I'm gonna take the leap." You know. Like when I worked a day job at the law firm, you know, I only had a day job for two years in my whole life. You know, I worked other odd jobs like restaurants and things. But once I was, I decided to take that day job because things were really slow in my career. Um, when I got the call from the production company and they said, we have this job, we want to get back in business with you. I took that leap. Now it wasn't, the, the void wasn't so dark because it was a job, it was money. But I could have thought about it and said, well, I'll stay at the firm because it's steady money and I'll do this other job, you know, and I can do both, right? Because I have. And it wasn't worth it for me to do that. I was willing, I, you know, the minute they said, I hang up that phone, a two-week notice, I took that leap because I just need to do that. I have to live the life of a writer, you know, and and... Luckily, the X, last X number of years, I've been able to do that, live the life where I get up, and that's the only thing I do. That's my job. 
And it's, you know, the faith aspect, like I said, as we discussed before, you always have to have people who believe in you, but that only goes so far. They can all, yay, you know, you're the best, you know, oh. Uh, that's why I say don't give your script to your family members to read because, unless they're executives at Warner Brothers, because <laughs> uh, there's no real point in it. You know, everybody's going to say, that's the best thing ever. <laughs> well, it kept my interest, you know, <laughs> you're like, great. Um, so everybody can rally around you and say yay and have the faith, but it comes down, you're living, you're living it. You know, you're sitting in front of the computer, you're trying to come up with ideas and your, your choices that you make are directly affecting your life financially and psychologically and, and, and you know, relationship wise with other people. So there's a lot of things involved about pursuing a screenwriting career, not just, oh, I'm going to write a script. You know, there's a bigger picture about how it affects your life, especially when it becomes um, how you pay your bills. Um, so faith is is an important part. But you have to, um, there's always a fear still. I mean, when I get a new job, I get nervous. You know, I, I think I read that Henry Fonda would throw up on stage before he went out to do a performance. You're like, you're Henry Fonda. <laughs> but I think a little of that nervous not too much fear, but that like respect, that's where the respect for me comes into the craft where I sit down, I go, and my mom always says, oh, you'll know what to do. You're fine. You know, to this day, she says that I go, I think I'm fine, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm fine. And then, yeah, I finish it and I go, yeah, okay. okay. But I don't want to have that arrogance of like, I'll work it in. This is fine. No, 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 absolutely not. So um, I have a tremendous faith in my ability uh, but I temper it with humility and also the um, realities of the business and, and, you know, just situations, I guess. So faith is, is back to your question, is extremely important. But I think it, it, faith in yourself, first and foremost, don't search outward for it. You know, like looking, looking for um, validation from outside to get that, you know, like, oh, I'll write something and if somebody, an agent likes it, then that validates me, you know. Know, know and have faith in your abilities first and foremost, and then go out there and see what happens. Has gratitude always been a part of your makeup? I, I see that gratitude seems to be a strong thing for you, but maybe I'm wrong, but has it always been in your, your nature? I mean, gratitude... Um, it seems like you, you recognize... Yes. Well, I think also the longer you're in the business, you, you it always has been... My makeup, yes, but the longer you uh, get punched around and and see how things work for myself, everybody has a different story. Um, you you are very humbled and, and and gracious, and then you say things like, "I'm blessed." Yes, I feel that I'm blessed, but I also have done a lot of hard work mm. and a tremendous amount of sacrifice in my life to devote to this, and not for the sake of being, you know the wealth and the riches and the loot, you know, because there is no, I say there's no fame and fortune in the screenwriting game. I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, when you have most, uh, half of the writers in the writer's guild don't, don't work every year. And those are professional WGA writers. I think the odds last year were like 5,200 or something out of approximately 10,000. So the other half, are looking for jobs and not working, you know, or the 50,000 scripts that are apparently registered with the guild every year. Um, those are just the ones registered or the 70 to 100 specs a year that sell. You know, I always tell writers, I don't 
bring up those odds to scare you, but for you to realize what you're up against. You know, you wouldn't go climb Mount Everest without the training and the help and the tools. You just go, okay, I'm going to go do it. Now there's a certain uh, courage in doing that, but there's also a certain stupidity at some time, you know, and just like writing your script and being eager and someone says, oh, I want to read it. And you give it to the wrong person. And then that bad note circulates, you're finished. You know, I mean, there things like that. So, um, yeah. With this job at the law firm, so you got this movie or you got some other show or something, did you, did that pan out? No, it was made. It was made. Okay. Yeah, so I went everything. to the set while oh, I was I working and mm -hmm. that was the, that was the hardest part where I'm like, I don't want to go back. <laughs> and then I had to go back. Even, you know, I'm like, I'm deja vu. I'm back in the situation I was however many years before with, with, uh, you know, doing the, the catering when I sold my first spec, because the way monies are, are, are doled out in the step deal, you just because it's optioned or whatever, doesn't mean you can quit your job and live in Bel Air, you know? <laughs> so there's the realities about paying your bills. So same thing when I was working at the day job. But again, I was like, it starts to psychologically work. Uh, and you say, no, but I'm a writer. It's like, yeah, you work at a thing. And I'm back in the tunnel again. I'm, you know, and there was another writer there who was a sitcom writer. And he had worked on things and he too hit a short thing and, you know, a short, I mean, a, um, a uh, slow period. And he was, he was on his way to get back too. And he, he did too. We all sort of quit at the same time. Oh. And he got back into writing sitcoms and I was like, yeah, you know, no looking back. And uh, I don't know. It's just, there's, now again, you know, I, I don't have, you know, children, you know, so I, you know, that family aspect is, is a whole different, you know, thing. So what I say is from my own opinion. I mean, it's from my own experience. Um, but it sort of, it sort of goes for everyone, you know, with, with disciplines and things. You have to really keep your eye on, on, on the prize in the big picture, as I say, because you can get lost so easily. Even when you're in it and doing it, you can get lost. You know, so you always have to have, to have that bigger plan about where am I going with my career? What am I doing? You know. Is it crucial to have multiple projects going at once? Yes. Why? Um, because like salmon going upstream, a few will get up there. I mean, you, you have to, one script's not going to do it, as I always say. One script eventually does open something. Like for me, my spec opened the door for assignment work with the company, and I, I continued on with that. But if you just focus your energy on one thing, it's, it's, a, it's a lot, it's, you know, the odds that it's going to get you, you have to be constantly. Then that was my problem, uh, I'll share with you, when I sold my spec, I didn't have a follow-up. And that, that really was a problem because I thought, here I am, and there was no follow-up for, for, for a while. And that was my mistake uh, because I didn't have, I wasn't thinking in those terms. You know, it was early on in my pursuit, you know, I just did graduated from college and, you know, was not thinking in that structured, like, okay, this is, what's my game plan here? And I knew a friend who went to uh, film school and he directed a movie that he wrote, but he didn't have a follow-up. And he spent so much time on this movie and it was a feature and he didn't sell it. It didn't get picked up by anyone. He, he paid money to show in a theater and they, okay, what else do you have? Nothing, you know, so you, you constantly, as I say in the book, you have to have uh, ideas that you have to have log lines that you're working on. Then you also have to have some treatments or one sheets, which are 
a lot easier to do than write a complete screenplay. And then you also have to have your screenplay that you're working on. But constantly, when you go into a meeting with your spec that gets you the meeting, um, they're not buying that spec. They just want to meet you. Say, oh, I can see your ability. And then they say, what else you have? And you don't want that to be, well, I'm working on something and it's going to take me six months. I'm not going to see you for six months or you're not going to be on my radar for six months. You want to say, I have this other thing. You don't want to bring you know, a suitcase full of scripts, but you want to say, I have this other thing. Oh, well, after the meeting, send it over. Bam. You know what I mean? You, you have to have multiple projects in the marketplace, I think, at all times because not all of them and maybe not one of them, but the, the, that's what you're up against is, is to be, um, I don't want to say a machine, but you, 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 know, you can't be precious with, oh, I'm only working on one thing for five years. And, and you, if you have the luxury of doing that, that's great. But you better have a day job that pays, you know, if you're, you know, I didn't want to wait tables the rest of my life, you know. So what motivated me to get out was continuing to write and create, you know. So, yeah, I think it takes more than one project, you know. I know you do a lot of speaking events, is that right? I do. Yeah. So when you have writers approach you either afterward or even if you see them at a mixer or something, and you know when people ask you for advice and you give it and you can see that they're disengaging because they don't want to hear the answer? Yes. What are some of those points when you're talking, they're saying, hey, how do I, how do I break into the industry? Because their, their experience will be different than mine. Which it will be, but their experience will be like, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Like I said, multiple right. projects in the marketplace, you know. And so when people do that, I just say, I, I don't want to expend any more time <laughs> bestowing any sort of advice, you know, because what's the point if you're going to... Example, uh, a friend, I did a favor for a friend. I said, oh, my friend wrote this TV pilot. Okay, I'll meet with him. Now, I consult you know, on, on my off times, you know, on screenplays and whatnot, I have a consulting business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I, don't, I, but I, I only do it when I'm not working, you know, because it's, it's not, you know, the real jobs are the assignment jobs. So in the, in the down times, I open it up and say, you know, shop's open, you know. Yeah. So I said, I'll do this as a freebie, as a favor. And a lot of times you get, you, it, it stings you and bites you and the, you know, where. So I went to meet with this guy at Starbucks and he brings in a, a, a giant screenplay. And I go, what is this? He goes, oh, it's a TV pilot. I go, okay. And he starts dropping names of people who I know that are going to give him an office in the thing. And I was like, they're going to give you an office? What about me? You know, I was like, <laughs> and so I said, okay, I'll read it. So I went home and, and there were 10, I'm not kidding you, 10 issues on every page from typos to format to whatever you want. And so we met again and I was really doing my friend a favor. <laughs> we met again and he had an excuse for everyone and wouldn't listen. And uh, I, he said, well, I'm going to chop it in half and make it the thing. I said, okay, interesting. And still went on and on dropping these names about people who I know are somehow going to bring him in and give him a desk in an office. And I was just like, I can only do so much, you know, good luck to you. And maybe I'm wrong. I doubt it, but okay. Um, people who don't want to listen, it obviously shows their ignorance. And it's, it's, I'm not trying to be malicious. I'm just trying to say, hey, you know, I wish somebody had done that to me. And, you know, then it would save me a lot of time. And time is what keeps clicking away. You know, when you make mistakes, why spend all this time making these mistakes when you could do it right? You know, or, or, or go down this path. Everyone has to learn. Hopefully they do. But yes, I, um, 
I've experienced that where they, uh, people just tune off and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and is that around the time when you say it's going to take several scripts, it's going to take always have multiple things so that if somebody yeah, wants some, to see... That's why um, I went to talk at a high school. My friend's a teacher to their uh, film class. And uh, one of the kids raised his hand and goes, you written any, have you written any big movies? <laughs> I go, how long do we have on this? Yeah. So we went through the thing and you can just see all this, they're not gonna, you know, but the few film nerds, which I was one uh, growing up, after it was over, they came up, three or four, you know, came up and said, oh, and they wanted to look at a script and talk to me direct. Everybody else couldn't wait to leave. And I just thought, huh. Interesting. Um, I was making films when I was their age, you know, doing that. And they can do whatever. Maybe they weren't interested. That's okay. But um, I always say, you'll be humbled. If you're not humble now, the craft and the business will humble you eventually, where you say, oh, my one script. And then you learn that, you know, after 35 screenplays, um, either you're still learning, which you should be, um, and it takes a lot to get one. That's why the multiple projects thing is important to have multiple projects going at each time. And that's not to say you have to write two projects, but always have something. You finish one, you're working on another. Don't leave these long gaps, you know, of, of nothing and you're out there. And my spec that I sold, it took seven years, but I didn't, that wasn't my only thing I had. I wasn't running around town with this one spec. I continued on doing other things. I, I, uh, was in a sketch comedy show. I was doing proactive things at the same time. But the only problem is that once it's sold, I didn't have a specific spec like in the same genre where they could say, what else can I look at? Or things weren't ready. You know, that's important too, to have those, those other things ready. Because like I said, if you have that meeting and they say, oh, send over something, you don't want it to be six months later. You want it to be, you know, immediate, immediately. You seem like a very positive, upbeat person, and I know everybody has good days and bad days. I try. Yeah, but, but you strike me as someone... <laughs> when I'm on like, camera, I'm the best. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, that's most people. That's most of us, myself included. Yeah. But, um, so, but you said something about, um, in, in the book, the naysayers who whisper their own fears into your ears. And I know I'm going down a negative path here, but that does exist with anything creative that people do. And I was just wondering if we could just talk on that a little bit. Yeah, there's also um, sometimes jealousy. Now, when I, when I got into film school, you know, the odds are one out of seven. I went to UCLA film school and one of my close friends who I grew up with, um, did not, he applied at the same, in the same time. And we were juniors, we were trying, you know, and so as a junior, uh, you, if you didn't get in, you really couldn't amass more credits. You had to like chill out for a year. So he didn't get in. And so when I remember that fateful phone call and I said, I got the letter. He said, what does it say? I said, said, congratulations, I got in. I mean, it was the most amazing day to get into film school because, you know, and he said, oh, maybe they got our letters mixed up. And I was like, yeah, I'll talk to you later. And I hung up the phone. I was like, wow, okay. Um, how did, you know, jealousy. Yes, there are naysayers uh, who are going to say, uh, oh, how, why do you think you can make it? Or, but, you know, they, really that's them projecting their insecurities upon you like a, like I said earlier about this, the person who said, what if you don't make it by 30? Well, by 32, I had produced an independent feature with the Academy Award nominee that I co-wrote. And I also had worked on a popular game show. You know, I was, 
I had done a few things. So I said, maybe I was two years off the mark, off, off from his, you know, mark. Uh, but yeah, you have to watch because, you know, we have our own internal voices of fear. And so if they're constantly, you know, filling your head with that nonsense, you say, oh no. And then later in the middle of the night, you go, well, maybe what about, what if, you know, they're right. Um, it's tough because not everybody's going to support what you do. That's why, like I say, I, I was blessed to have parents who said, go for it. You know, we know it's going to be hard, but you know, life's not easy and why not enjoy what you do? Because most people, a lot of people don't enjoy their day job. I mean, it's, it's okay, but they're working for the weekend or they're working for something else. And I always saw my father not enjoy his job. And I said, I want to, I want to do something that I want to get paid to do. And I may not make millions of dollars, but to wake up and and sit down and write and create for a living, I still kind of get a you know kick out of it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I get, I, you know, I'm living my childhood dream. You know, it's 11 year old kid making films to be able to, you know, see the, my name on a larger small screen and be on the set and see actors say the lines or work, you know, do rewrites on the set and you know, interact with other creative people, then you're, you know, it's just, it was a dream, you know. Speaking of which, I was watching an interview with an author that has sold millions of copies of their book and they had a book signing and a book reading and they invited their family member, a sister, and the sister showed up late and then the author said, well, what'd you think? And the sister said, you know what? I like that first guy. What was his name? I want to get his book. <laughs> <laughs> and so you had said something about writing like no one cares, or I'm, I'm probably butchering a little bit, but write like no one really cares. R write, write for yourself? Because that, yes, that's a perfect because, example right there. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and in the bigger picture, nobody really cares. I mean, you care, you have to care about your screenplay, but no one else, you know, like I say, my producers care what I write because they're, they're paying me to write as an assignment. It's a protected bubble, but you know, you have to, it has to start with you. You have to care about what you're writing, you know, first and foremost. And, and that'll show through if you're, if you're inauthentic, where you're trying to just, you know, cheat and write something for money or write something that's, uh, you're trying to follow a trend and copy something else, you know, it'll show through and it, it won't be like, that's why I think uh, my spec sold because it was a heartfelt and, it, you know, I think I poured it out on the page. You know, because um, I, I don't, I don't say this in the book, but I, um, during the time of starting the spec, I had lost a family member, and so I stopped writing the, the script, and I came back. It took me like six or eight months to finally feel, you know, not guilty about working on that, and I think a lot of that loss went into the the characters. You know what I mean? It was like, and so many times your own life experiences, uh, which I think should reflect in your work and make it that authentic, you know. What does an outline look like? Well, for me, on these assignments that I do, they're usually 10 or 12 pages, and it's the entire story treatment, and it's not just line by line. I mean, there are some outlines that just, it's a line and line, but uh, for these movies, for television, they're eight acts, so everything has to be broken down, but it, I, I write it as a story, so if you were to sit down and read it, you'd be reading the story of, of the movie, which I think is essential to create, because I find that many, uh, in fact, I've had friends that do this, so I'm just gonna sit down and I have the vague idea and I'm just gonna write. And I'm like, you'll, 
you'll be lost in the barren wasteland of Act 2. With no water, you'll be in the desert, you'll be lost, and you'll wonder how you're going to trudge through those 75 pages or whatever. Um, I'm a huge advocate of outlines before starting writing, and I know um, uh, it's, it's probably 50, 60, 70% of the work you do because it makes the load a lot easier and you can write a faster screenplay if you have a, an outline. Now that doesn't say there's room, there's no room for changes or improvising, but if you don't have a, a solid roadmap going in, it's almost like a pre-draft of a first draft. And I'm not an advocate, I know there's people say that uh, about the vomit draft, where just spill it out. But I don't have the luxury of spilling it out on, on my assignment jobs, I don't. I really have to turn in, um, let's say, out of a 10 scale, I've got to turn in probably an eight. An eight, you know, out of 10, because I'm now holding up development, you know, and I've also done rewrites on other screenwriters' work projects that have, that were page one rewrites, which means that the script that they have went through multiple drafts and still is not there. And they have a buyer, they have a network who's waiting on the script. And so um, I've also been hired to do a rewrite job where I can come in, but it's like a page one rewrite where see the script that you have, you can't use any of it. The names, yes. The concept, yes. But you basically, and that's, that's something that I've learned how to do, uh, which is good because there is a lot of rewrite work out there. And, and some writers uh, look down on it upon, oh, you know, but, uh, but an example is that I took a rewrite job and that ended up being three more jobs with the same company because that opened the door for them and then they were thankful for that. So you never know um, what opportunity is, is gonna, you know, you're gonna either turn down or accept. Uh, so, but back to your point about the outline, I, I think it's extremely important to, to do an outline before your screenplay because it's easier to work out the problems there than it is writing a complete first draft and having just have so many problems. And also it trains you, like I said, it's a, like you're an Olympic athlete, it trains you for the time when you do have to do outlines because I, I'm not allowed to write these assignments without an outline that I have to create. So they won't just let me go to pages. I mean, they have other people involved who have to okay it. So the outline is extremely important. In your book, do you have any examples of an actual outline? I know sometimes viewers will ask, where do I find a copy of an outline? Because it's, um, it's... I don't. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, I'm sure you can find it online, but it's not, it's not that mysterious. I mean, there's, there's different... There's a step outline. There's a, there's a one sheet, which is just a one, one sheet of paper, which is the concept. You know, it's sort of a short synopsis. There's the log line, which is even smaller, you know, two or three sentences. So there's different steps, and, and you, have to have, you have to have each along the way because you have the quick pitch. Mm, I'm not interested. Then you have the quick pitch, and they go, hmm, I'm willing to read something, not the script, but I'll read a synopsis. Then, you know, there's different steps of how, how um, interested they are to read what you want is the final product, the final script is for them to read. Um, but the, the treatment, I mean, there's many different for, you know, again, like a step outline. I've done outlines um, that were 30 pages. I mean, completely, it, it just you triple it and you have the script. But everything had to be worked out because it was very technical. Um, the way the film was going to be shot was from, from like an iPhone and from different things. 
And so it really had to be spelled out. You know, there was no, because on the set, you just can't leave it up to chance. So that's, you know, but at that point, I could have written the script in, in weeks because it was all figured out. You know, I figured it out already. Um, and you want that outline uh, for those dark periods when you're stuck. You don't want to be stuck trying to figure out plot points when you should be filling pages. That's the worst part. That's the worst place to be. How long does it usually take you to write an outline? Uh, let's see. From once the concept, it's uh, like two weeks. And uh, I'm mean, working every day. And then that usually ends up being 12 or 15 pages as the, as the outline uh, in, in, my, in my experience with my producers. And that outline is then rewritten sometimes two or three times. I mean, I, I have to, you know, I get notes on the outline before I'm allowed to go to the script. So the script is like the final, once we okay the outline, then go to pages. And that's not to say they're, they don't change their mind once the script's finished, because that's, that's the crazy part, because you say, yeah, but you agreed to it in the outline, but we built the house and now we don't kind of like the way it looks, you know, we thought we did. And so that happens too. So you have to be, you know, open and prepared for rewrites at all stages. But it, it does allow you to write a faster first draft is to have a solid outline. Because for me, I have to see the film in my head before I can write it. And I know that I, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of problems ahead of me if I can't see it. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't lock in like I've almost seen the movie. Like, like when you watch a movie, you remember it. I have to see it that way. And... I know things are working when I start to live. And you know, the outline's good for living with your characters. You know, you get to live with them. You get to, you get to f see how the movie is working or it doesn't work before you sit down and write that screenplay, which is building the house. You know, that's almost like the pre-blueprint. And in, in my opinion, that's been my experience. But I know a lot of writers just want to write down a couple of lines and, and wing it. And there's so many, so many things that can go wrong. And why, why not turn in your the most amazing first draft you can. I don't see the, the problem with that. Uh, and in fact, like I say, you have to when you're doing assignment work. You want fewer drafts. You don't want eight drafts because nothing's working. You know, you want to turn that where they go, wow, one of my assignments, I did two drafts and two polishes, we're done. That's what they like. They don't like five, you're not getting it. That's where you get fired and they hire somebody else who can facilitate the notes and get it moving. You know, it's it's a... It's creative, but it's also a business at the same time, unfortunately. <laughs> Mark, when you meet with the producer or you get an email or a phone call yeah. and they're saying, we want to do this movie and they just give you just a little bit less than a paragraph of information, what is that like for you to create this outline and then go to pages on that? It's terrifying. No, <laughs> no it is because many times they have, uh, which I like, a definite idea because they have a buyer or they have a network that's already signed off, which is called green, you know, green lit movie. It's already signed off on the concept. They just need to see a script that they can say, oh, I see what you're doing. And a few, sometimes it's two sentences. It's a pitch. Then I have to come back and, and, and create an outline like we we're talking about, maybe 10, 12 pages of a, of a story, you know, the treatment. Um, that's a lot more work obviously, than sometimes when they give me a one sheet, which is one sheet of paper, which is a synopsis. And usually the middle is kind of vague and there is an ending point, which, okay, this is how it wraps. 
but even that sometimes is vague. There's there's beats that are skipped, and so um so that I have to come up with the exact specific detail way of how the movie ends, not like just in generalities like well you know blah blah blah, and then they end up in jail and the other person's this you know, um so which is okay because I'm living with it. I'm not just taking it and you know what I mean. It's 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 now it becomes. That's why I saw an interview and someone said, well, it's different than spec writing, assignment writing. And it is because it's not your baby, but it is your baby. It becomes your baby. It's the adopted child, you know, that you love because now it's your job and you better love it because why are you doing the job? You know, I mean, okay, you could do it for money, but if you're pounding away going, I hate this, it's going to show, you know. And so, you know, everything shut down and saying this is, uh, it becomes yours. Even sometimes the, the, the rewrite jobs become yours, I think, because you're rewriting in your own style and voice and fixing things and, and you know, they, how much is the old writers and how much is yours and if it's 50-50, who knows what, you know, you could sit down and say in that scene, I did, you know, when I'm watching it, I can tell you exactly that line's mine, that's not, and that's when they came in and did that, that's me, that's, you know what I mean? That's going through your head almost like a crazy person wants you to go, oh, you know. Um, but so that that's, at least in my experience, that's how it's worked. Either it's a it's a, a pitch that, you know, pitch me and I they pitch me. Um, I've pitched them. I've also come to them with the one sheet. But, uh, you know, many times that's like, oh, interesting. But they they already know what their buyers want. I don't. So it's a lot easier for them to come to me and say, we need this. And you're like, okay. You know what I mean? So, um, but like you said, it takes for me about two weeks of solid work to get the treatment. And then the, that's rewritten before I'm allowed to go to the screenplay. So then if you get the okay on the outline. Yes. And what's day one of pages like? Day one of pages is, and I'll just give you an example because last Monday I turned it into a new assignment. So day one of pages is like starting a new job, except it's at my office. Or, you know, it's the same familiar surroundings, but it's starting a new job. And luckily there wasn't a great amount of time between me finishing the treatment and, and the company saying go, because I like it when it's fresh still, that I can jump right on rather than this, you know, there's a momentum that's really important about things like that. And so I sit down and today's my first day of writing and I look at my calendar and I know that I have 30 days. And so I do the math <laughs> and I divide up the days and I say, okay, I should, and I leave myself about a three or four days at the end of, of you know, I'm not just gonna say fade out the end and turn in the script. I, I wanna look it over, I wanna fix things, I wanna polish it, but I don't wanna be doing that as I'm writing it because I can't do that. I have to push forward, and that's why a lot of times uh, in the one I just turned in, I, I reread it from start to finish, and I was like, oh, but I didn't revisit it for almost a month ago, right? Because I started, and I was like, that's not, that's not bad. You know, I started having a feel that I didn't quite remember if this was good or bad, and that there's some days when I think this is good writing, and there's other days I'm like, this is not good, but I always have my backup guide is my treatment that I've worked on. So there, I'm not just left hanging in the wind, you know. But I did, did get into a point, um, and it took a few days, that 
I had about a five or six page gap in the, in the story where I was going to come up short, you know, and I have a mandate about how many pages the script has to be. And I was like, how did I come up short? And I find this too, sometimes when I consult on people's treatments, I say, you don't have enough story to facilitate a hundred pages here. You think you do, but you know, they, in, they put into a half a page description and I can break that down and say in an actual page of script, that's going to be about a half a page. You know, that's not, this needs to be four or five pages of, of a sequence, you know what I mean? So they come up short uh, many times. So I worked through that, but like I said, I had my treatment to, to fall back on and I knew these characters. So if I just let the characters run, you know, they're going to, you know, you're, I'm, they're going to follow them. They're not going to follow me. I'm just going to, you know what I mean? I think, you know, when, when you know your characters, you follow them and let them run off and say, wait and say, I got it, you know. And so um, that was that was the first day, and I so I was I'm about three pages a day, which is a luxury. But I've also worked on scripts where I had to do eight to ten pages a day, and I mean, if you miss a day, and you can't miss a day, uh, and there's you know there's things in life that happen, and a lot of stuff goes on. But but it's a day job. I mean, it's a day or a night job, and I'm lucky that I can push my schedule where my day can start um, at three o'clock and go till late. You know what I mean? I can shift it, which is good. And that uh, a few years ago, I was working on an assignment and that really messed me up because I was, I was worried more about how I was starting my day so late. And I said, why don't you just relax and, and, and accept the fact that your day starts at two o'clock? And I did. And you know what? It was great. Once I let go of that, I was, I was productive for the next, you know, eight hours. So, you know, shifting the, the time helps. But again, I have, I don't say the luxury, but that is my job to do that, to work all day on the script. And so I better be doing that, you know. Well, I'm sure you trust yourself more now, maybe. Because yes. in the beginning, maybe it's scary because you're like... Because you don't know, without the experience of writing multiple screenplays and being, you know, muddied in the trenches and, do you know, fail, you don't know your, your abilities. And so, you know, I'm not overly confident but I know what I can do. So I say, okay. And then I met the deadline for this last job and I had three or four days left over. And so that was a luxury to be just now I can, ah, and it felt great. The night before it was due, I, I, I turned in, you know, emailed the script. And so that morning the producer would get up and, and sure enough, you know, here it is, just like I said, you know, and, and, and you always have to be building your integrity constantly and they don't, they don't want to have to worry about you. Um, the one that's that's shooting now, a film that I have shooting in Los Angeles, the producer is doing other movies at the same time. And he didn't want to have to worry about me. You know, check up all if I'm doing the job and all, you know, and that's a good place to be because you don't have to worry about me. You know, I you know, and so you only you only do that by by, you know, your experiences. When you turn in one job and work with somebody, they go, Oh, okay. You turn another, oh, now that's just the, the norm. Your integrity is, is built there, you know, which is, which is also vital uh, for any screenwriting career is your professionalism and, and your integrity. So in the beginning when you would start, let's say, a new script once you received the outline, would you do like 8 a.m. and the coffee's there and you're, okay, this is it, the clock's ticking, or I mean, yeah. how, how were you able to finally say, you know what, I'm better at 2 o'clock. I know myself. I know how I need to have lunch first. I need to do all these different things. Yeah. Clear my mind. There are and breaks, but also um, the day gets away. 
you know, and that's not good either. And so I'm, I don't have to, you know, eight o'clock, bing, okay, I got to go, you know, but, you know, I ease into the morning and then start work and, you know, I mean, three pages a day is a luxury, but, you know, eight or 10, that, those are rough days, you know, and some days you're not as productive and you don't meet that deadline. And, but the other days you, you explode into 12 pages, you know, how did that happen? So it kind of evens out, but, but if you're doing fewer pages a day, you know, you know, you only have so much time. That's why I say when writers are doing their specs, set your own self-imposed deadline. Don't let it be open-ended where, you know, oh yeah, I was working on this last year and uh, Christmas came, but you know, because you're going to need that training, you know, and even while you're working in it with experience, it's still difficult. You got to stand because you're your own boss. No one's, no one's calling me saying, are you working today? And the day goes on and then, you know, I, I mean, you got to really stay on it and, and realize, um, there's a lot of self-work. I mean, it's like you're your own boss and it's good in one way. People say, oh, I would love to do that. But with that comes a lot of responsibility, you know, in keeping to that, that point. And with that, are you ever saying to yourself, okay, now it's time to turn off? Because yes. there is a fear that runs in with being your own boss where, yes. what if I don't? And, and so, but are there ever points where you say, you know what, I need to stop now? Yes, I usually, um, when I feel that it's, it was been, it's been a good day, of writing, there'll be a point, I forgot which writer um, said this, famous writer that, you know, leave something, leave something more tomorrow to come back to, you know? And I always look at my characters like they're waiting going, okay, you know, we we're just had us at the end of the cliff. What do we, uh, we gotta wait till tomorrow, you know? Don't have them jump the cliff and then go to bed, you know? So when I would finish a day's work, um, it would feel good to clock out, so to speak, at six o'clock where I go, I'm done, you know, but I also knew that if I was behind and in trouble, I have the rest of the night, you know, whatever needs to be done. And, but I would prefer not to do that. And also weekends too. A lot of people say, you know, screenwriters don't always get weekends off. And so my friends who have day jobs, uh, I go, you work Monday through Friday. I work, you know, sometimes my weekends are, you know, Monday and Tuesday. You know, Saturday, I have to get the bricks, you know, and, and, and do the work and that's okay. But they're like, well, okay, you know, you know, it's, it's just what happens and it's fine. But, but the, the ability to shift the schedule is, is one of the things that I enjoy. And also the ability to write anywhere in the world. Uh, last year I was in Italy for six weeks and I wrote, I wrote a, a job that I got in Los Angeles. So the producer didn't care where I was. Nice. We communicated, but that was part of the initial, um, uh, attraction of being a writer was that you didn't need a big crew and you didn't need all these, you know, spend two years on a project that you could be uh, in a cafe somewhere, you know, in an Italian island writing a movie. Nice. So that, that, uh, but you also, bottom line is you have to write and stick to a schedule. I mean, that's just, that's vital. That would be very distracting. It is. I thought it would be, <laughs> I thought it would be, I thought it would be, um, you know, I'm inside. I'm like, oh, but there's all this stuff outside that I should do. The Vatican. I want to see the Vatican. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> but you get over that when you're like, okay, I have to work. You know, that helped me to go there. So, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. For six weeks. So who, who am I to complain? Right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. What are your five worst screenwriting habits? Five worst? Um, well, it's writing while I'm rewriting which is running like on a treadmill, 
you know, you can rewrite after you're done, but don't rewrite. You know, one, one time I had a job and the contract stated they wanted to see every 10 pages. And I was like, that's a deal breaker for me. And so I told my attorney, I said, I, I, I don't want that. I said, you're hiring me to write the script. Let me write the script. That's what a rewrite's about. You, don't, you won't know in 10 pages. You know what I mean? It's like running on treadmills. Is, you know, that's, uh, for me, a habit that I don't do. Um, it's, it's tempting because when you get bored, you, you scroll back and you're like, oh, I wonder what those, you know. And then you realize the day's gone. And you're like, I should be on page 15 and I'm on three because I really, you know, worked on those three. That's what a rewrite time's for. Um, another bad habit. Um, let me see. Well, fear. I don't know if that's a habit, but that's a, you know, there's a lot of fear involved in writing, you know, sitting with the blank page that you have to fill. And like I said before, um, you can alleviate that by having a solid treatment, which is sort of your buddy, you know, and your roadmap, and you won't sit there and, and just waste time. Um, procrastination is another terrible one, and I'm guilty of it as well. Um, a bad habit, there's always something to distract you. And then, like I say, when the writing gets difficult, which it does, it's the easiest time to run away from it. And I found that even when you sit with it, like I think Raymond Chandler said, he sat at his desk every day at the same time. If, he, if anything happened or it didn't, you know, it's that constant repetition, which writing is. It's not, oh, I'm, you know, uh, waiting for my muse, you know. Um, so I still have to, I mean... The last job, I was procrastinating, but I had three pages a day, which was a light schedule. But I found myself on the internet and looking up stuff. And, you know, procrastination is horrible. Um, what are we at now? Three. Oh, you're three. Yeah. I'm three. Number four. <laughs> oh, can I come up with two other ones? Bad habits? Um, boo, 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 boo. Let me think. Uh, you mean personal habits? Screenwriting. Yeah. Screenwriting mm -hmm. habits. Mm -hmm. um, overwriting. Something I don't do, but I, I, I warn against it because when I consult on scripts, I read that there's just, you know, describing the wallpaper and, you know, you have to know what you need to put in, what you need to leave out. And I find a lot of beginning writers, you know, hang on so desperately that they're not going to understand it or that, well, can't my, you know, you know, you don't describe the chandelier unless the diamonds are part of the heist, you know, I mean, you start to read people's clothing and all these and it adds up. And so that's when you end up with a 120 page script and why, hmm. And you look through and go, cut this out. It's, you know, they don't want to see all this description and all this stuff. And that's a technique is to know when to stay out of the way, which is important. I think for a writer is like, you got to know when, when to put your imprint on it, but stay out of the way, you know, um, and so what are we up to four now? Or four, but if, yeah. If, and five, five. Um, what's the other one? Um, I don't know. I can't come okay. up with a fifth. That's okay. Yeah. That's all right. So when you catch yourself procrastinating, do you sometimes just say, all right, I'm just going to do it for a little bit, get it out of my system? Or what do you do to be your own? Well, like, again, when you're working person? alone, I used to years ago have a writing partner. You know, so that helps to have somebody go, hey, or you're together because it's both of your, your collective time. You're not wasting somebody else's time. When you're alone, you can waste as much time as you want, right? It's just my time. Um, but I usually realize that I'm doing it and then snap back into like, oh, I should be. Uh, it's, it's tough, you know, distractions. That's why 
you have to go somewhere and write if you have an office or they have office spaces now that you could rent. Yeah. And it's a short term thing per day. And one time a producer hired me on assignment and he paid for that office space so I could go there. And it was, it was something about like when I go to the gym, you made a commitment to take that trip to get there and park. And so you're going to be productive rather than working at home when there's a lot of distractions. If you have a family, somebody knocking on the door, phone ringing. Um, other times I've worked at a library, you know, and when it's quiet and, and things like that. So your work environment's also very important uh, to fight off the forces of procrastination. Yeah, the whole co-working culture is, is very interesting. Yeah. Um, what about overwriting? I was wondering if you could maybe just give me an example of something that's overwritten versus um, shortening it down. Well, uh, mainly it's in descriptions in, in the script, but also overwriting the dialogue, you know, where you could go through and, and in, in a piece you could say, you don't need that beginning sentence. You know, you're, you're saying the same thing in repetition two lines from now, you know, and really getting concise down to the point of having, or overwriting where characters say something and you could say it would be better if they just had a reaction. You know, uh -huh. I always try to err on the side of let it let the actors act and emote rather than say something. You know, uh, if you see someone's eyes 60 feet on the screen, that's going to say a lot more than a line of dialogue, you know. So you cut, 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 cut. They say cut the dialogue and then cut it 20% more than that. And you're like, oh, lean. And no one wants to because, but I've read screenplays that read like a stage play. And you're like, that's not, that's not what this is. Or, or scenes, every director I've worked with said, give me something to shoot where the scene is just flat and, and two people sitting. Now, Quentin Tarantino can do it with the interesting dialogue, with 10 pages of dialogue, but two characters sitting in a dinner scene, you know, the directors I worked with, they hate it. They're like, what are we doing? It's just this, 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 you know, and plus the food it will be spoiled. You know, it's like, it takes a long time to film it, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, the... Uh, in overwriting the descriptions, like I said before, about describing things that are, that are not your job, you know, you just set the scene. If it's a castle, you don't have to say eh, all the intricacies of the interior of the castle. And in the corner, there's a knight in shining armor, and there's a thing in the tapestry. The set designer will will do that. You know, you have to you have to stand back, and and in in a way, you have to really know. What, what you need to put in that's necessary and what is unnecessary. And I think a lot of beginning writers don't know that, that fine line and they just put everything in it, you know. And so if someone were to read it and it drags, would they know? Let's suppose it's their work and they think, oh, no, but I'm describing this interaction between two people and the tension and it's great. But then an outside person is looking at it saying this is dragging. Yeah, cut, cut to the chase. What's going on? You know, less is always more. Is, 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 you know what I mean? And I've always found that, um, and you find, a producer I worked with, he caught the repetition in dialogue and I didn't even see it. And he said, you're saying the same thing here again. We don't need it. And I'm like, oh my God, you're right. And he's a big anti-repetition, you know, uh, producer. And I've never had that before. A producer like would point out those specifics. I go, you're right. I've got this bad habit now of not even seeing it. And so now I'm very cognizant of that when I work with him and, and in general that, um, w you know, we only have so much time on the screen and so many pages. And, and if you don't like the constraints, then write a novel where you can do whatever you want. 
But if you like the screenplay format, you know, you have to have these dense packed scenes with subtext, but not go on for six, eight pages. You know, there's a rhythm to it. You have a feel, like you say, when you start reading um, that a script's overwritten, you just know everything's described and, and the, the writer's so afraid to let go that their, their vision or their ideas won't come through on the page. Well, once they take that script and make it, yeah, you, but you want to, you know, your imprint is the script. So, you know, all these other little particulars are not going to help when it's overwritten. For your new book, you touch on how, you know, talent is important, but professionalism and the ability to endure criticism, rejection, and failure over the long haul is imperative. So I'm wondering if you know of any colleagues or any situations where the talent was absolute, like, rock solid. There was no doubt that this person was incredibly talented, but they couldn't handle any little bit of rejection and it cost them. Um, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wish I said <laughs> okay. yes. Okay. I've known people who have uh, a lot of talent and they're working, but not one uh, in that situation uh, among my peers that I know, no. Okay. Um, what about ability to handle criticism? Everybody I know is pretty much, I mean, it's just the way you have to, to be if you're going to be a screenwriter or a writer in general is to have, you know, now it's constructive criticism is the most important thing. And, and we receive criticism, oh, I would have done it differently or something. It's like, okay, that's fine. But um, it's hard, rejection, criticism. If you put yourself out there, you're going to be criticized. And many people don't finish things, I find, because if they never finish it, they'll never know that it sucks and they'll never be criticized because they're still working on it. You know, it's a work in progress for a number of years. You're like, didn't you finish that? Mm, I'm still working on it. That's a safe place to be. Then putting it out there and getting smacked around. And that's only, that's, that's how you learn. That's the only way you're going to learn. And then after you're in it for a while, you learn to filter those notes like notes from producers or assistants. You learn to filter the good notes from the bad or even notes that are vague and then you kind of are left to go off and figure them out. But if you ask too many questions, it'd be like, well, don't you understand what I want? Oh, I do. And then you leave, you're like, I don't. Oh, I don't want to ask, you know. Um, what about someone who sabotages themselves? And I, I've probably asked this question before, but I think Julia Cameron said that a failed writer is going to get a lot more empathy and supporters around them than someone that's actually successful. And then you're driving people away because they're looking at their own career or whatever it is. Um, a failed writer has more people. Hmm. Kind um, of cheering them on and patting them. You're going to do it and he's going through a bad yeah, phase right now. Yeah, and if right you now. have any success, they're like, well, you, you know, like you didn't work for it or you didn't sacrifice for it. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, yeah, I suppose so. Um, uh, not everybody I went to film school is working today. Um, and some are working in different capacities, but not, you know, like writing, like what we all were like, yeah, and that's fine. Some are very successful. And, you know, it's always, everyone is not all going to be at the same level. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I didn't. Just yeah, just just sabotage in general of themselves. Self sabotage. Yeah, where they just. Yeah, I had a friend in film school. And he would he would self sabotage because he never 
wanted to, uh, he was a rule, rule breaker. I'm gonna break all the rules. And so he'd write these scripts that were like double the size of a script and the wrong cover, you know, all these things right up front and they would just put them in the trash. And he is extremely knowledgeable about film. I mean, like crazy, but it didn't translate into the realities of the business. And so he's like, oh, I said, well, you can break the rules once you know them and you're in, but you're trying to be this maverick and nobody cares, <laughs> you know? And he really hard head, you know, just wouldn't listen. And uh, that I think was self-sabotaging, you know, it, you know, I mean, it's still, I don't know to this day if he listens, but I'm not sure. Well, I think there's this like romantic idea, especially in rebellious types of being this like Hunter S. Thompson or this, you know, Janis Joplin of, oh, I'm just going to let it all out. And, you That's know, true. and, but then if you maybe go and look at, if you pull back the curtain on those two, the ultimate sort of rebels, yeah. there was a method to what they were doing. Yeah, I just wasn't rolling the dice and hoping for the best, you know. There's always, I have to believe there's always a, a method behind a plan. If you don't, you're you're lost. I mean, it's it's a very difficult business to achieve any success. And if you go in it just blind with no, and stumble around, it's not, you know, maybe it works for some people, I don't know. I've never found it to be the case. What does a good writing day look like? Good writing day looks like um, I get up, and I've had a successful previous day writing, and I've left it, the script at a point where I feel that I've done my work yesterday, so I'm not feeling guilty or bad or like or or under pressure, and I can just start up again and you know get my work done in the morning. I mean, you know, emails and all these other things, and just work and then take lunch and then come back and you know maybe five six o'clock wrap it up. Now that depends on how many pages a day I have to do. And as I say, many days are good, solid days, and other days are not so good. And not every scene is going to be, you know, on, on the level. And then there's other days where it's magical, where you you blow through a sequence and you you write two days in one day, so you're ahead of the game. Um, so it varies while while you're in it, but but it is kind of I don't say scary, but once that you know the the starting gun goes. And you look at the, I always look at the calendar because of my due date and I've agreed. And then uh, like on the last assignment, uh, we had an interaction for some other reason about another project with them. And I said, oh, by the way, I'm on target to turn it in on Monday. And they said, oh, thanks. You know, and they didn't bug me the whole time. They're not sniffing around saying, hey, are you, you know, uh, because they know. I'm not trying to, you know, pat myself on the back, but they know because I've worked with them before and they know that they don't have to be sending that like, how's it going? You know, email of being antsy, antsy. They just leave me alone, which is a great place to be. Right. You know, so a good writing day is, like I said, uh, having a good... Now, again, if the day was crappy before, you know, you get up and you, you, you do it again. You know what I mean? Just It's a day after day and it's amazing what you can accomplish in a month. I mean, you know, when people think, oh, this big ordeal about writing a script, you know, it's going to take me six months. It's like, maybe, but if you structure your time properly, and I do have the time because it's my job, you structure your time properly, two pages a day. You know what I mean? You'll have something finished. And, and that's, it's just doing it. And most people don't do it. You know, that's the thing. Why? Why do you think they don't do it? I don't know. It's, I mean, a lot of it's fear maybe, a lot of it's, um, I'll get to it tomorrow. 
and there's always something else to do and it's difficult. And so if you're writing something that you don't really care about, um, you know, why are you going to go back to it and just be like, uh, and if you're not getting paid, um, that's another, I don't say great incentive, but when you're getting paid and you sign a contract, that's, that kicks your butt, you know, into high gear rather than just, but you have to, that's what I'm saying. When you're writing your specs, you have to treat it as, as that it's like, it's like a second day job. It is if you just, and I'm not saying you have to do 10 pages a day, but if you do two pages today and like when I was working at the law firm for two years at lunch, I would write, I would write by hand, but I wanted to like, not just sit there and be like, uh, you know, so every day at lunch, that was an hour. That's five hours a week including the time at night, you know, it's doable if you, if you just plan, plan it out, you know. So you're looking at um, the due date, then you're looking at how many pages, and then you're putting sort of a red X on a calendar, mm -hmm. and you're basically doing how many pages a day? Well, it depends on what I'm given, you know, but this last job I worked on was three pages a day, which was, was a luxury. I but mean, that's not normal, right? The three no, pages. I mean three to five. Oh, three to five. Yeah, the really, the really hard uh, scripts are eight to ten when it's a short period, like a rewrite, where it's like, we need this in two weeks. You're like, oh, you know, you hang up the phone, you're like, ah, okay. You know, and like this year, I've, you're always learning. I, I be, had to become a faster writer. Not that I'm a, a slow writer, but I would take my time, you know, but not as fast as, and I knew if I was going to be taking... Uh, more jobs, I would have to be a faster writer. And what would I just do that on my own? I was forced to do that by challenging myself, you know, which I think is, is very important to always challenge yourself. And many times we don't challenge ourselves unless we come up against something which challenges us. And so that was a particular job. So I accepted the job and then I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I knew I could do it. But at first, I didn't think I could do it. And so I, I went back to my old techniques and it's funny, sometimes I forget them and someone says to me, you know, you should buy this book. I go, really? I go, yeah. And they start talking about it and I go, oh, you mean my book? And they go, yeah, you've forgotten your disciplines. I go, you're right, you know. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, you're right. You gotta, you know, it's funny. Um, but yeah, that's... Um, And incidentally, just to throw this in there, your book is now at the Santa Monica Library, which is where you is. Used Yeah, in to high go. school, I used to uh, work there as a page, which is shelving books. It was a nice, clean job, you know. And so now it's how ironic that years later, my book is at the library that I used to work at, you know, and I had to go in the other day. I have four copies. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And it's right <laughs> next to, you know, there's John McKee and and Truby and, and, you know, screenwriting for dummies. And then there's my book. And I'm like, oh, wow, do double take. And, and it's been checked out, you know, um, since they've got it, it's been out, you know, people checking it out. So that's good. And you came across that by accident? You just um, kind of went in there and then... Yeah, I, it was, they have some wow. of my DVDs of movies that I've written, you know, and, um, you know, they order things, however. And uh, so it was cool because... It's nice that people can access it and then maybe, you know, it's the kind of book that is not just a read in one time. It's, you can go back to it many times. I think that's how I wrote it, where you can, you know, pick it off the shelf and look at a particular thing and say, I'm going through this problem, you know, 
and maybe it would help you with that type of thing. That's how I wanted to write it was the fact that you could, it's something you would keep, you know, next to your computer and you could go, you know, some books you read once and that's it. But, you know, it's, uh, it's about all these things I've been talking about, but surviving, you know, in, in the trenches as, as a writer um, or living a writer's life. Let's imagine you're on this script assignment and yes. you turn in exactly what they've asked for. Yes. And then you receive notes back that the story is too thin and the female lead is underwritten. What would you do? Hmm. Well, that would be, uh, <laughs> I, I, would, I would be in trouble uh, because hopefully I would have done that in the treatment. You know, I would have figured that out, but obviously something is wrong. Right. Um, I would have to go back and look at the scenes and see why the character was not strong or was not driving the action. And perhaps, uh, you know, obviously that would be from early on in the script, you know, to, to nail that and then, and then see that through line of, of them pushing. Like I, I did a consulting job on a treatment and uh, they were giving all the stuff, the good stuff to the supporting characters. You know, and you're like, that stuff needs to happen to the protagonist. They need to be pushing it. You don't you give it all, you know, to the, to, you know, they were there, but they had the wrong person doing the wrong things to drive the story because it's this person's story, you know. Um, luckily that, again, that I don't, that wouldn't have slipped through the cracks, hopefully, because of the treatment. That's, that's my example when I was talking about how important those treatments are. That could happen if you didn't structure the script properly and um, you know, didn't know that you had to beef up the protagonist part and just be like, oh yeah, along the way I'm losing my, my way. You know? Well, let's, let's change it then a little bit and let's suppose you received a script that you're gonna do a rewrite on. Yes. And those were the notes that, they, that the producers gave you that, okay, the problem with this script is that the story is too thin and the female lead is underwritten. Now, how would you sort of work away around it and I realize we don't have a lot of other details but um, I would go back to what the movie's about you know and I was would not be um, I didn't want to be too influenced by that draft you know I'd have to read it obviously and like when I do a page one rewrite they're like you see everything here yeah this is not matching what we need and so I have to start from scratch almost you know and so then I can beef up that character and find the flaws that are missing there and hopefully take their note and and because I can be so objective which is hard when you write it is that I can read it too and say oh yeah I see where this is lacking let's get to work on it you know um, I think it's a little more difficult when it's your work that's why sometimes when these rewrites jobs I do it's it's very easy I say easy but it's easier to be objective because I have no this is I'm coming fresh and I don't go, oh, remember that one scene was my favorite, you know. No, this is, this is what needs to be done to fix it. Hey, another hypothetical situation. Let's imagine you were hired to write a script and it was agreed upon that it would be 100 pages. Yes. You turn in the 100-page script on time. Then they come back to you and said, you know what? The budget's gone down and now the script needs to be 80 pages. How would you start going back through and taking away 20 pages? Well, in all honesty, I don't see an 80-page script being a feature. 
Oh, well, okay, we could change the numbers. No, let's I'm say one twenty oh, no, okay. is is let's suppose it's oh one, yeah one twenty. Okay. twenty, and then they right. say, you know what? Let's cut those twenty pages. Let's make it a hundred. Yes. Okay. Uh, what I would do to to make it a cheaper movie, or I mean, yeah. yeah and yeah. what are you taking out, and how are you? What you're you, taking out okay. is um, is things like uh, locations are expensive. The number of characters, usually the, the you know the character that doesn't really do anything. Do you really need it? And it's a good way to approach your writing because um, a lot of times, you know. If you write a script that has a lower budget, you know, I think it's an easier way, you know, if it's a $500,000 budget, you know, that might get made a lot easier than you coming in with a script that's a $100 million budget, you know, and they say, who are you again and what's, who's attached? You know, you could actually go and raise the money yourself, um, like much like we did with our independent feature that we did. You know, it was a certain budget range and we did it, you know. Um, but those things with a budget always rely upon locations, night shooting, um, you know, animals, uh, you know, animals need a wrangler. Children can only work a certain amount of time. They need a teacher if it's, you know, on the set. So these kind of things are all have to be thought about. But, you know, can you double up on locations where they can film here in this living room is uh, one location and the backyard is a completely separate house, you know what I mean? Things like this. So, but you have to um, have worked in that kind of world to to know that about how I can go in and, and cut this down, um, you know what I mean, rather than just write your spec and say, you know, um, 10,000 soldiers jump, you know, climb over the ravine, you know, it's like, okay, how are we going to do that? You know, CGI, but, you know, um, things like that, you know, and that's an ability to know of how to, how to, how to, and if you don't have that ability where they hand you the script back and say, could you pare this down uh, and turn in something that's, they will fire you and they'll find somebody who can do it. I mean, it's just the nature of the business. What about advice to writers that have been fired off a project? Um, well, you know, there's, there's a firing and then there's sort of like, we're going to um, go with someone else, you know, which is a firing. It's not quite as like, you're fired. It's always, thank you very much. And now we're going to have this other writer finish it. And then you share credit. You know, what I would say to them is learn from what happened on that with that particular producer and not make those mistakes again. Or maybe um, they're not as good of a writer as they thought they were. So they were able to get in with the script, but they weren't able to stay on it, which I think is important to stay through the end. Um, luckily, on most of my projects, I've stayed through the end and sometimes even been on the set doing rewrites because the director wanted me there. I had that relationship with, with the key you know, members. But you want to stay through the whole thing. You don't want to be the person that leaves. Um, if you're leaving because you have another job and you can't do it, that's different. But if you're leaving because they don't want you anymore, then that you probably won't work with that producer again. What if it's a combination of that and politics and you know that, let's suppose there's a little bird in your ear letting you know that, you know, they brought someone else on and that person's worked with that other person before. Sure. So it, and you know that and you just have to kind of swallow your pride and not well, say Well, that happened that. to me uh, when I was working uh, on the game show. Uh, you know, I was told, um, this is early, early, one of my first professional jobs, I was told that I didn't have enough experience to do a certain, during production experience. And I went through the development of six 
weeks of writing the show and then they shoot the show. But during that point, I was let go and they said, oh, we're bringing in somebody. Um, it was someone who had a connection in the writer's room. And I thought, well, I went through the whole writing. I don't understand. But it, it was just strange how, yeah. you know, and I was let go and I was like, okay, I, I understand. But it was, it was hard to be let go. Uh, you know, because I had taken that job and I had quit my restaurant career, so-called as a waiter, and that was my first professional job. And then to lose it, that's why in the book I say how I was fired from my first professional job. At Christmas, right? At Christmas time, you know. Um, but it happens. And then you, you're not guaranteed anything. You know, the hardest thing that I had to learn when I first started getting paid to write was that I thought everything I wrote would get made. Of course it would be. Well, I have probably five projects sitting on a shelf that are production ready. I was paid for all the drafts and nothing. Myriad of reasons because the marketplace changes, economics, uh, their buyers decided to go with a different genre. The actor bowed out and they want, you know, financing fell through. All things that were not my problem. You know, I'm just the writer, right? But that was the hardest thing. Uh, but I've, I mean, it's not hard anymore. I realize the, the realities of the business that not, you know, and, but that was the hardest thing. I thought everything I wrote would be made. I, I thought that when I wrote my specs, of course, obviously too, every spec you write is going to sell, right? Um, but uh, to be let go of a job, you, you have to learn why it's a learning experience. You don't want too many, you don't want, you know, that to happen too many times because then the word will get around and you won't work. But know, know your producers and what they want, you know. And so luckily the producers I work with, I know kind of now after working for so long what they want and that's what they want. They won't have to leave you alone. They have to be, ah, is he gonna turn in the thing? And you know, cause we got people waiting and a lot of money, you know. They don't wanna have to worry about that, but you have to build into that. You know, so a writer that gets in somehow, luck, maybe whatever, sells the script but doesn't have that ability to see it through to the end. That's a terrible thing. Because you think, oh, I've sold it now and you're not staying on it because you can't do the rewrites. You know, I'm sorry, but we need to take this into production and we need to get through development. And if you can't do it, we will find someone who can. How was Christmas that year? Uh, it was okay, not great, because I was without a job, you know? And well, not only that, sorry to interrupt, but you, yeah. were, you were leaving one world Oh yeah. To go to this world that you've been waiting for. Yes. And it's Christmas. I got through Christmas and... Um, How was New Year's? It was fine because a few months later my spec was optioned. Oh, okay. So I was, you know, I rose from the ashes like a phoenix, you know. So I, nice. I was like, didn't have to go back to the restaurant and vowed and I never did. Um, um, so that, that, you know, that's my point about having multiple projects or things. If right. I had nothing else, then I would be out knocking on doors going, uh-huh, you know. But that, right. if you charted the course, before um, that first job, that spec was was constantly trying to find its way and finally ended up with, with the proper timing, the right home with a company that said, we want to make this. So, Great. yeah. We talk about your process for rewriting. Let's talk about rewriting your own project or a project that you're initially hired to write, not someone else's first. Yes. Um, so what's your process on that? You open up your computer, you sit down, you're not really looking at prior pages before that time, I'm assuming. Rewriting, as you mean, I've turned in a, a draft and they give me notes? Yeah, yeah, and they say, okay, we like this, but here's some notes, and sure. then you're going back over from pretty much page one. 
And sure. Um, last month we just went through that, um, and we'll probably go that through again next month because I just turned in something. But last month, uh, the movie that's shooting now, I did rewrites. The first draft was pretty solid. The second draft, a few sequences changed because of particular things. And so there's always a list of notes um, specific uh, of what needs to be changed and what's not quite working and needs to be finessed. And many things are sometimes uh, technical um, without getting into particulars, but um, how a sequence is done is, uh, you know, it's always objects. Well, how would that person get that thing? You know, and in my mind, I write it, but then there's the director's mind who has to really shoot the film. And so um, that doesn't come into play till the director comes on board. And so then the notes come in from the producer and then maybe let's say another producer who hasn't chimed in yet and then the director. And then they say, okay, and the director's looking at it hopefully about how can I shoot this film with the money that I have and your mind, but I've never been at the locations. So then a lot of the notes change. Well, we can only get this kind of place. We need it tweaked for that. And you go, okay. And those are, you know, those are great, you know, or um, don't have them have this thing, have them do, you know, being vague, but, you know, objects, guns, whatever, you know, things in the script. So you go through with almost a checklist and you go and make the fixes. And hopefully, um, like I said, with a solid treatment, it shouldn't be like the house of cards, you know, implodes because that's not the place to be in development when you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to rewrite like this whole thing. You know, it's still solid. A, B, and C still happens, but you get in, you start to, you know, and the, and there's there was a sequence that changed um, by its own nature, and I agree with totally with the changes because it, it's much. You'll see a lot of nobody sets out to make a bad movie, and the changes are not personal. They're like, oh, you thought of it, and it's terrible. Somebody had to think of it. Somebody had to write it down. Somebody had to create it, and then comes the realities of shooting a movie. And so, you know, my job at that point is to help them make the movie. My job is to help the producer and director's job make the film. I'm not standing in their way. Whatever needs to be changed um, is, is changed. Because now we're, now we're moving through development to a reality phase, not this fantasy of like, oh, these, you know, um, motivations have to track. If they don't, they say, this is kind of weird. Would that character do this? Maybe the other would flip. Or you were saying about the strong you know, keeping in mind the protagonist, well, you gave that to this other character, she should be doing this. You're like, oh yeah, you're right. And it's just an easy fix because that character then now is driving the story and it's happening to them rather than not pushing it off to co-star or something, you know. Um, and it's very, um, I don't say methodical, but it is kind of methodical because, you know, after doing this for so long that it's like, this is what needs to be done. And, um, double checking, me going back through, looking at all the, you know, putting it on revision mode so they can, you know, see with the, you know, um, so everybody's on the same page and then they get it. And, and the nicest thing is to hear um, even, you know, do a quick polish, let's say a couple day polish, which is, you know, fixing little things is that the uh, producer or director comes back and says, that was a great job. You know, still, I still get happy, you know, I'm still happy about hearing that somebody says, because they don't have to say good job. You know, your job is, you know, you got paid, but great job. And on time, because if you had taken a week, that would push, you know, I mean, they're already scouting locations, they're doing things. I don't want to hold up that. 
I want to get this turned around as fast as I can also to get off my plate to open up for other work. You understand? So you want to be the team player, as I say, an ultimate collaborator at all steps of, in, in the way and know, your, and know your place in the bigger picture. And so when I go to the set, if I'm not working on the set, I'm a guest. You know, I'm, I'm there. It's nice. I've been on sets that I've worked um, writing and, you know, I've also been on sets as a guest where the director returned to me and he knew like my first spec, how long it took to get it made. And he would turn to me and say, what did you think of that take? And I'm like, you talking to me? And I go, actually, I thought it was excellent. He goes, me too. Moving on. And you're like, ah. you know. Angels are in the background. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the great, that's the great uh, stuff you work for. And then there's the, the dark, you know, uh, stormy nights when you're in despair and all these other things. But um, you really work, you know, or, the, or that movie premiered at the Palm Springs Film Festival. It opened. Oh, wow. And so we had a theater of 300 people. And I'm sitting with the, the stars and, and one of them I grew up as a kid watching is Kadimir Nominee. And I'm like, and he turns over after the movie and he, sh he grabs my arm. He says, great job, Mark. Nice. And I'm like, ah, here's the guy with the thing. In the, ah. And who is he talking to him? Oh, yeah, I wrote this movie. And then we get up and we do the Q&A. And someone asked the, uh, the star, the lead, they said, you know, in that one scene, um, I love what you said to your son. It was so amazing. And, you know, an actor could have went, thank you very much, you know. And, and the star of the movie said, well, you know, people always say this to actors, um, what they say is genius. He said, but without the writer, and he put his arm around me and he pulled me close. He said, there would be nothing to say. Nice. And that was another like, huh? Ah. You know, so you have these, these, cool. these high of highs, but it's not always like that. Sure. You know? But, but it, that, that sounds like it's worth oh, it going through for all some the of the other, lows Yeah, the hard work and, and stuff. And you want to get to that point where you're on the set and you're an equal collaborator, not just a a fanboy going, oh my gosh, oh yeah, I wrote this. You're right, you know. And then even more when I've had relationships with the director who said, I want you on the set just as a, as a good luck piece because we start making changes. I want somebody to go, oh, whoa, whoa, you know, a lot, lot going on in the set and people forget and things fall through the cracks. Well, the writer is going to be go, hey, hey, you know that line, you might not want to cut it, you know, because it's going to change things. So that's, uh, but also you don't want to be, they don't want writers on the set because they are changing things and you don't want to be the, uh, you know, grumbling and saying, you know, walking around angry. You're like, how could you be angry? You're eating seared ahi at the craft service and you're be, you got paid <laughs> and these wonderful actors are elevating your material. I mean, you know, sounds, sounds good nice. to me. Sounds nice to me. Yeah. Too, yeah. <laughs> what if you, what's day one of a rewrite like for someone else's work? So they've given you notes. This is what the person gave us, the, the other writer gave yeah, us, and this is what's wrong. It's the same, you're saying it's different than my own? Oh, I guess then it is, it is this the same process then? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's chipping away. You know, my own rewrites is based upon notes of people that I trust, like, like saying a spec. I would give it to my circle of writer friends who would give me notes. I'd say, mm, yeah, and then okay, and then go about the rewrite. But um, it's, it's similar to, to, to when, you know, just check off the checklist and say, okay, and, and get that draft done and, and push that, push, push each draft closer to the, the final realization of a production draft, you know, which is, I mean, obviously your spec is a spec, it's not a production, but I mean, in a rewrite, my job is to push that as quick as I can to get these changes made and not hold up everything. And you're doing these changes in, in numeric order in terms of the script page? 
Yeah, I mean, they're specific, which I love. Other times I've had broad strokes like, well, you know, um, which I put in the book, some of the notes, the, the emotional highs have to be higher and the lowers have to be lower. <laughs> what, what does that mean? And then they go, okay, good luck, see you in a week. And you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, <laughs> you know and then if you come back and ask too many questions, they're like, why do we hire you again? You know, you don't know what you're doing? You know, yes, I do. You don't know what you're doing. You know, not all producers know how to talk to writers properly. You th they think they do. Sure. And the really good ones do, where they like really get in there, because some of them are writers as well. But the ones that just paint a broad stroke and then say, see you later, and they're busy with their other projects, and you're, you have to learn how to filter that and go, the emotional highs and lows, what, what page? <laughs> what character? I, I don't understand. And they go, you don't understand? Okay, and they pull the shoot, and you're you're gone. Right. You know, is this leaving Las Vegas low? Or yeah, is yeah, this yeah. Mary Poppins high. Like, yeah, exactly. Doing? It's like what what are we uh -huh. what are we doing? So, um, but the one the page specific notes are, um, which then become scene specific notes once there's the scene numbers you know happen. They're like in this scene X Y and Z, and you go okay, blah, and this dialogue here, blah, you know, and so you just go in and do it, change, 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 you know and turn that draft in and hope that's closer and closer and closer. What you don't want is to be farther and farther away. That's when you, they bring somebody else in. Isn't asking questions good or does it show a weakness? You mean of a producer? Yeah. About, um, it does, but there's only so much time you're going to have in the office. And then they almost want you to be like, um, you know, and, there, and if there isn't a shorthand between you and the producer, like we've worked together for five years, you don't know what they mean. And so if you start going, I, I don't understand what you, and then it's never gonna be upon them to go, well, I'm not communicating properly. It's gonna be, you don't understand. Yeah, I understand. One time I was in a meeting with a producer and I had never worked with him before and I was working on assignment and he said something off the cuff, which was kind of insulting. Like, um, could you explain it to him? It's like screenwriting 101. And I, I was like, and it almost, I, it went over my head and I thought, oh my gosh, he just, insulted me and I let it go but I was like who are you talking I you know I get it but you don't get it. I don't know how you work you're all <laughs> over the place I'm trying to grasp a thing which changes to another thing and I'm like ah but you can't be right you can't say that you know you can it's a fine line you got to know how to how to uh, you know apply yourself when you need to and and not just like like with uh, fighting your battles with notes you know um the situation I worked with a producer who then handed me off to the executive producers who I never worked with and he went off to do something else and now I was with them and I was the defender of our screenplay the last line of defense right and so they were talking by Skype and this and that and they say well we want to change this thing at the end I was like oh no 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 I said because I said we really work so I defied I decided to make that my battle it wasn't a battle but you know I mean to talk back and discuss it and I really hit home because I knew if they started pulling these linchpins out, it was just going to be like, are you, ugh. and they had their own reasoning, which I guess. And so I defended it. And then there was this big silence and the producer is quiet and he's like, okay, moving on. I was like, I won that battle. I wasn't going to win two battles. You know, now if he has another thing that I have a problem with and he kind of turns back on me and I'm the problem. So you really have to know your battles and pick and choose them because you don't want to be even if it's a perception that you're a difficult, like every time we have a note, is this writer going to be, you know, fighting us? Right. No. 
on the ones that I really have to fight, I will fight. And I think that they will appreciate that, that you just don't roll over, that you're thinking, like you said, ask questions. Why are we doing this? And a lot of times, no one knows the script like the writer because you've lived and breathed every character and everything. And it's easy just to say, well, make that change because they're looking at bigger picture things, not the, the details. And um, you have to be the one there going, oh, well, 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 you know, this might not be a good idea because of this. And they're like, oh. And then you convince them and they go, oh yeah, you're right. I think they, that's better where they go, this writer, you know, is a, is a collaborator. It's not gonna be a, like a scribe and go, yes, sir, why, yes, ma'am, whatever you'd like, you know. It's a fine line. You don't wanna fight your, you gotta pick and choose wisely. Was your path to becoming a professional screenwriter the path that you thought it was going to be? Going back to even before you applied for film school? Yes. And just the vision of whatever it was, an 18 yes. year old seeing, I'm, this is where I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be the next Cassavetes or whatever. Yes. And then, you know, time moves on and, and was it was it in line with that? You know, because people think it's going to be this and you're no, gonna be it's in a never, BMW. No, it's the, the, the romanticized image, no. And then it's more of a uh, craftsperson job. It's a career, but I look at it as a job. It is my job and I'm blessed to have the job and um, I'm blessed to be working. I really like to work and I take as much work as I can. I turn down things that I don't like or can't do, but it's nice to be in a place where a producer calls you and says, are you available? Uh, I've also been in a place where you turn in your thing and go, am I good enough? You know, and it, you wait and they say, eh, and they six months later, oh, I didn't read it yet. You know what I mean? Which is the norm. Um, so whatever level of the business you're working at, uh, to be have any type of success, I've also realized is an amazing thing. It's hard. Um, and many people can look down at, unless you're the highest echelon at the A-list and say, well, if you're not that, then I'm not impressed by what you do. And it's like, okay, I get it. You've never really struggled to get one thing made. So you wouldn't say that to someone who's been slogging away the 10-year the overnight success. Like I said, it was six years out of film school, six years before I had my first professional job that I was later fired from quickly. You know, and then seven years from my spec to go through all the wrong people and, and the spec almost won the Nickel Fellowship and all these adventures with that one spec. Now I wrote other ones, right? But, but for it to finally end up, uh, you know, me sitting on the set first day of filming going, wow, this has been seven years, you know? And every, every script and project has its own journey. But sure, out of film school, I thought that they were gonna hand us, you know, our diploma and our three picture deal, which is the joke where you just be like, of course I'll be working, you know, and maybe as a PA, which I never did because I didn't want to, you know, I knew how to make films. I didn't want to spend 18 hours a day not writing. So I, I worked in restaurants as a waiter because then I could always write, you know, that's I mean, going through college. Um, but then you settle into a place where, where you finally are at whatever level you are and have the players that you are hired, you know, the people that you know, and do I still want to get to higher levels? Absolutely. But no one can take away my ability to write and create projects. You know, so that's the thing. So the next step for me would to be moving into more of a producing aspect. Um, directing, I've enjoyed, but I don't, I, I would have probably pursued it out of film school. You know, and I, I really like the fact that as a writer, you can go anywhere. Uh, like I mentioned, I was in Italy last year for six weeks and I was writing a screenplay. So if you have a laptop and internet connection, you know, you can write anywhere, but a director needs a film crew, 
and a big, you know, I have, I have some friends who worked two years on a movie directing it, you know, I mean, from beginning to end. I mean, that's a big, a big endeavor. And I like the fact of, of, um, of uh, being able to be mobile, you know, and work and maybe do more, you know, f this last year I've had six movies written, you know, so I mean, it's, it's, I couldn't direct six movies, I don't think, in a year. Yeah, and it's so expensive, yeah. too. It, it, that, that's the great thing about the writing is yeah. that even though sometimes they're underappreciated, it's, yes. it's the heartbeat of the movie and it's, it's you know, you can be on vacation or you can be doing something else and yeah. writing. Um, but in terms of, like, you grew up in Southern California. I did. So I wonder, does that taint people, and not in a bad way, but I mean in terms of the vision of what a career looks like versus someone that's you know yeah and it, in another state it's weird because in some ways it never seems such a weird when when my friend and i were making movies as a kid it never seemed such a weird thing that we were filmmakers because they were filming movies on our block you know outside the biggest tv shows were right up the block you know in santa monica they used to film everything there and so we were like oh now if i was living in a small city somewhere it might be so impressive like oh or, or i could never be a film because it's so such a big enormous dream it was right outside our front door. So we were like, huh, okay. Um, in, in a good way or bad, because you don't know if you're ever gonna be able to do it, you know, and achieve a career and sustain that. Um, so it has, uh, I think the wide-eyed dreamer is still inside, and I need that as a kid, but then you grow up and you realize the realities of a business. You know, filmmaking is, is a craft and it's, it's, you know, but it's a business. You know, no one wants to spend millions of dollars um, and lose their money on your idea. You know what I mean? It's a business, unfortunately, but if you can work in it uh, and keep, you know, as an artist, um, and, and some are blessed to be an artiste, you know, an auteur, and others are people who get to work, you know, and, you know, if I'm working in the film business, I'm a happy person, <laughs> you know. Do you think you realize the amount of time spent alone at a computer, at a desk? I mean, I realize you could be in a cafe writing. Sure. And for a lot of people, that does work. But do you think that you realize the, and, and, and being bound by this calendar, the calendar that said, okay, this is due and I need this done by this date and yeah, you know, I can't in, deviate from that. In, you have a, uh, you know, in school or college, you have a report or whatever due. You know, there's, there's due dates for everything. Um, but that, that made it seem more like a job, which in, in the past it was romanticized, like, oh, my specs, I'll sell it, and there'll be some weird thing that happens where you won't have to work so hard because you did the work, right? You sold the spec with all the rewrites and all the possibilities that could happen. Then when you start working in the business, you realize all the possibilities that do happen, and you're like, oh, wow, it sort of knocks down the, sh the shimmer of this romanticized you know, driving with this, you know, I had a convertible at one time. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why that came into my head. Okay. No, it's, uh, it was a 1964 Buick, which is beautiful. Oh, and nice. I would drive up the coast, but I was like, you know, um, there's, you know, driving on this, the lot and all this stuff that you dream of, you know, but then you still have to do the work. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I worked with a lot of actors back in the restaurant days who didn't want to do the work. They loved, you know, I'm an actor, you know, I'm brooding in this. Are you taking classes? Well, no. And went on this audition because I have a good look. You're like, oh, so you just don't want to do the work, you know, or you think it's that easy. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's changed, I think, the, the perception. I think once you work in something 
where you have this outside perception that many people might have of how, oh, how amazing it is to be a writer. You're like, it is, but as a writer, take the Hollywood element out. It's, it's you know, it's a grind. You got to write, you know, you got to come up with stuff. All, 35 scripts, I think about it, I go, how did I channel that many stories through this body into these things? I mean, then I go, there won't be any others in the well. How could there be? Well, that's your job as a writer, right? To come up with another story, to come up with another, you know, I mean, that's the beautiful part about going back to the well and having it be full of stuff. And that's where your living comes into play, your experiences and um, living in an authentic life where you're always like observing and doing things because it's your homework as a screenwriter to do that. Because you don't want to go back to your well and have it be empty. That's when it's then it's when you have your passion dries up and you're like, I got nothing to say. I got, what am I doing? Uh, you know, and you, you shrink and you just disappear, you know? So I think also while you're trying to pursue your career, you have to live a, an interesting life and do things that are interesting and meet interesting people and, you know, have it all relate back to your screenwriting because it does. It's your job <laughs> to live an interesting, authentic life. And I think that helps your work.